You're listening to The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network at the kitchen table. And guess who I have with me for the first time in several weeks? Yep. Missy is with us. (laughs) Hello. Hello. So first of all, I'll go ahead and ask you, I'll interview you because I know this is the number one question that people have. How are you doing? I'm fine. It's really weird. I just... I never really felt sick. Mm-hmm. Sick. So this has just all been like, okay, just figure out what's wrong and get it fixed. Right. So. And right now we have not. So this is the the update. Uh, and I gave that last week was that we just we still don't know. The biopsy didn't uh, come back with anything. So, okay, so the biopsy only waiting. came back with well, they didn't know. Like, right. So so it's not so, this. It's not that. It's so, not that. So what they do with it? It's called a bronchoscopy. And they stick this little thing up your nose, down your throat, and into your lung, and they try to pinch off a piece of stuff. Mm. Well, mine's really deep down in my left lobe. So they were able to pinch off some stuff. And then what they do is they flush it full of sterile water and suck the water back out again. So they're testing against the water, and they're testing on the tissue. Okay. And so what they it's not an infection, and it's not... Um, fungal. Fungal. They're pretty sure it's not cancer because it doesn't have the shape and the normal characteristics of a cancerous mass. They usually have, like, tentacles and reach out and and look like they're throwing streamers. Mm -hmm. And this one hadn't changed in shape since the end of May to mid-July. So because they're not exactly sure what it is, they prescribed uh, prednisone. And um, quick look up what this it is. It's boop, but I want to... I talked about it on last week's program. So, So... so that's what they're being treated for. It's a non-infectious, bronchial-squeezing type of pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And I've been on steroids, and I have to do it until the 10th. So it's two weeks' worth of steroids. And then I go in for another chest X-ray to see if anything's changed. And then I'm just going to cross that next bridge. The next next step is a, a more invasive um, biopsy where they just go and poke a hole down through my rib cage right where the big mass is and just take big chunks okay to see what's going on so so that's where we are i know that's where we are i'm just wheezy and i'm not as tired as i was because i'm not coughing as much mm-hmm. and that's a good thing i think like, that's why i felt so bad the first week because i was coughing a lot but because I, I didn't realize i was coughing so much that i wasn't sleeping well mm-hmm. and then when the, my home doctor prescribed that uh, tesselin which is like more of a super cough suppressant i thought it was more of a mucinex i actually started to get sleep so i started to feel better so i never really felt sick sick this whole time the humidity has made it really hard yeah. to breathe outside and if I, you can, I don't know if you can hear it, but if I, you know, if I talk too much and I start getting a little wheezy. You're fine. Okay. I, I, and I've not called you uh, wheezy, Jefferson. I've not called you young wheezy. I've not called you. Uh, nope. None nope. of the, 
none we've of the, been good. None of the silly nicknames. So. <laughs> but we are, uh, we're still keeping an eye on things, uh, but I know that was the uh, the very first question uh, that folks had, so I wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah, I got a lot of nice messages from people that I know saw are following um, my Instagram account, uh, Corn- Goat Farm through this podcast and I got direct messages we're praying for you you just want to know your own thoughts and I just want to say I, I know I personally said it to everybody who sent me a message but thank you so much for thinking of me absolutely and uh, you're getting a little choked up I am a little getting choked up that's it's just, okay it's just been like no I know really nice how many people have just been you know throwing up their whatever you know thoughts good positive vibes prayers all of it is mm-hmm. all good uh, so the other big news this week, well, we have lots of big news this week. Um, on a happy note, uh, we celebrated 19 years of marriage. Yeah, this week. by going to open houses at the school. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. It's okay. It's all good. It's school 19 years back. of marriage. Yeah. It's not the first or second right. you know, where it's like, oh, my gosh, we have to do something. I, I have to get mimes. I have to somehow get a troop of mimes. To I think it's nine. I think wasn't it? Didn't you say it was bronze? We 19 probably, is bronze. We should yeah. probably look at getting some kind of cool bird bath sundial and bronze for the yard. We have a huge garden. It'll get lost somewhere. It'll be kind of neat. That's true. Or we could just wait, you know, and put that towards the 20th anniversary party. What's well, 20 years? Because 20, I know, I was going to say 25th <laughs> is the big silver and then the 20th, right. 50th is gold and then if you get to 75, I don't know what the hell you get. You should get like a platinum mine and a million dollars <laughs> if you get to 75. That's a long time. Um, so uh, we did celebrate our anniversary. I had my birthday this week, and thank you to everybody who wished me a happy birthday. I love my birthday present, which uh, I posted up on uh, my Instagram account, which is at Cam Edwards, uh, a, a T-shirt that says, I like pig butts, and I cannot lie. I love it. And it's got a big old outline of a hog. It's a really cute T-shirt. I will be. Uh, that's one of my new favorites. And you can find that at Amazon. You can. And many different versions, actually. Of, yes. Uh, apparently, that's a very popular phrase. Different so. colors, different kinds of different uh, logos, graphic. Right. Um, and then that same company has these really neat other meat cuts, beef cuts, like a really cool uh, 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 knife like mm-hmm. a chef's knife with mm-hmm. something on it. I can't tell if it was words or something. So I need to go back and look at them too. I probably need to replenish my t-shirt supply. Right. So that's like, the, that was the happy really. stuff that happened. Uh, we picked not, out a Mexican. Oh, we did pick out a Mexican food, including something called a chocolate chimichanga. Oh, which, uh, was crazy good. Wow. Right. Uh, and really good churros. Mm, churros. <laughs> the, uh, the not so good news this week. And I think, I think I was talking about chip last week on the podcast and how, great a rooster chip was and maybe i jinxed him because chip's not with us anymore we went to go school supply shopping on saturday and i came home and i there was an absence of chip noise like he crows all the ding dong day like Mm -hmm. roosters don't just crow at the morning they just crow all day and it keeps the girls together and i don't know what it's just it's nice to hear and he was he was the last of our original batch of chickens. Yep. The ones that I bought from the, the McMurray, Hatchery. McMurray Hatchery, a box of 30. And what's really funny is he was my free with purchase. Right. So I was just like not even wanting that one. <laughs> I ordered a buff of Buff Orpingtons and I got this Americana. But he lasted all this time. And now we have seven hens. And uh, of the seven, there's one that's. Chip's daughter from the first hatch out that we did in October 2013. Yeah, we call her Chipetta. She was she's Chipetta. But um, so we, you got home and I got home and I just I didn't hear anything. I had to take one of the dogs for a walk, so I started looking for feathers. I started looking for the chickens, mm. and then I started looking for feathers. And then I saw a couple of dark feathers, and then another spot where there were some more dark feathers. And so then I was like, 
well, wait a minute. We had uh, a black Australorp. We have a Bard Rock, which is a black and white striped mm-hmm. looking chicken. And then we have an Americana who's beautiful. And she's like black with green tinge feathers with like gold flecks around her neck. And she's stunning. And she seems to have like popped up and bigger. I was like looking at her today going, are you sure you're not a rooster? But her peak home's really tiny. She's not yeah. a rooster. But anyway, she's really pretty. Um, but they were all present and accounted for. And then I realized that they must have finally gotten chip. But we do have a replacement rooster. Now he's really young. Uh, he's an Americana like the like, female that we have. Right. So he's really pretty and he's going to be prettier. Um, but he's still a little chicken to be around the girls. Like yeah. she's been hiding down in the tunnel. He was the last one to go in tonight. He was the last one to come out this morning. His he's, voice hasn't quite changed no, yet. He, uh, he, where he came from, he was just starting to try to crow and he was starting to get it on with some of the younger chickens. So we know he's a rooster, but in comparison to the older girls here, he's like <laughs> he's like the teenager of the batch of cougars. Are you trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson? Right. So <laughs> Let's call him Dustin. Okay, that'll work. I like that. That works. We've been trying to figure figure out what the name of the chicken was, the name of the rooster was going to be. So there you go, Dustin, uh, or maybe uh, what was his name? Benjamin Braddock was the uh, was the name of the character. Well, Call we, him Braddock. That'd we, be a, a well, we historic have, name too. Or we'd have Ben because we'd always Benjamin is also you know Benjamin Franklin. That's true. So Benjamin Braddock, and then Braddock is a road where we used, used that to was live. General Braddock. There's also a street Indian where war. we used to live, well, so let's not go after, with Braddock. I named it after him. Uh, nothing from Northern Virginia. Okay, nothing from Northern <laughs> Virginia. All right, we'll go with uh, we'll go with. I don't know. We'll figure out. Well, actually, we'll let maybe we'll just open it up for voting because I don't really have a preference between Dustin and Benjamin. Maybe we'll leave it up to the uh, the listeners. Or Ben, because it'd be just a one syllable name for a rooster. Ben. Ben. Okay. Well, Chip, Jay, Ned, Bob. All right. I guess uh, in that case. Ben, ben wins by default. All right, there we go. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. I will have another contest of some other kind yeah. at some point. What we're going to do right now, though, is take a, a quick timeout. We have more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up. Stick around. We'll be back right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards continues on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards here with Missy. E. And if we're really quiet, you can probably hear Bullet at our feet. <laughs> Panting merrily away. It's not even that hot right no, now. But he got exercise. He did. He and uh, Booker, the puppy, are uh, best buddies now and fast friends and Every time they go outside, they have to uh, play with each other and just tear around the yard and it's hilarious. do like, somersaults. They wrestle. And, they, like, roll right. over one another and grab each other, and they have a very good time. But it's hilarious to see this 20-something pound big puppy. Mm-hmm. He's not—he's he looks like he's gotten twice as long and twice as high in the time we've had him, but it's probably just an optical illusion. But he—we got him, and the first time I took him to the vet, he was 17 pounds— and now, only a month or so later, he's 28-plus pounds. 
Yeah, he, I think in, since then, I think he's probably topped 30. Yeah, I think he's gained a couple more pounds. But he goes back, uh, I think, the 17th of this month for his last puppy something and his first baby rabies shot. So, yeah, we'll know how much he weighs then. Baby but, rabies. That's but then the, the big one is 120 pounds. So, yeah, these two run. And he's a giant ball of fluff. And Booker's got more of Labrador hair, his yeah, shorter hair. Right. So it's hilarious to watch them fight because they're similarly, similarly colored and yet different textures and sizes so it's just whirling dervish of fur but just like uh johnny in uh karate kid was told to sweep the leg bullet nose to or excuse me booker nose to go for the tail that's his oh go-to move that or he runs at him face first and then whips around and smacks him <laughs> booker runs at bullet head first and then whips his little body around and just smacks his butt into bullet like that's that's his plan of and attack. then he rolls over and plays dead like yes. he gets really like like Okay, don't hurt me. And, you know, it's really. But then he gets up and does it all over again. But they have such a good time; it's cute to watch them. And it gets them both, you know, gets them less full of beans to come inside and just pass out. And, and I just, think the other right. one's passed out in his crate. Yeah, Booker, I think, is asleep uh, in his crate. Bullet is still very much awake, but uh, trying to chill out. Apparently, <laughs> Under the at table. our feet, a little distracting. It, it kind of sounds like you know, there's just like Tell-tale a obscene phone thing. caller, like underneath <laughs> our table right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like a weird version of the telltale heart. <laughs> it's my lungs. The, ah! the telltale dog, I guess. Um, so, yeah, we kind of caught up on what's going on uh, around the farm. We're going to go uh, later in the program. We're going to uh, talk about uh, books. I mentioned last week the favorite book, the least favorite book that uh, you had in high school because it was high school reading list. And oh. I was talking about uh, our son who had to read The Jungle and the Red Badge of Courage. And I did, by the way, uh, look over his paper. He did finish both books in time. Uh, he has written his paper, and in fact, he forgot to double space, so he was worried that he was going to be a little short, and now it's a little long. It's a little long. So that's, <laughs> but that's, that's good. <laughs> that's good. And it was uh, very well written. He actually got the themes of both books, so that's it's very good to see. But uh, we'll talk about our, our literary uh, adventures and misadventures uh, coming up a little bit later on in the program. Also, I have some other uh, emails uh, to get to as well, the email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. I did just want to take a second. Um, so while you were getting the kids ready for school and doing all of the awesome mom things that you do, mm-hmm. uh, I was up in New Jersey at uh, New Jersey SafeCon, which was held in Parsippany, New Jersey, um, north central New Jersey. It was a great turnout, I got to say. John Willett. And the folks who put on uh, the SAFE event, Second Amendment Firearms Education uh, event, great turnout. Hundreds of people were there. Um, And, you know, New Jersey, because its gun laws are so bad, uh, there are lots of sort of Second Amendment rock stars uh, there in New Jersey. So Evan Knappen, who's a uh, huge firearms attorney there in uh, New Jersey, was there. Stephen Josie Davis, who was pardoned by Chris Christie. Uh, for having a gun in his car illegally. This was a security guard who was uh, cleaning his firearm at home. His little sister came in, and he didn't want his little sister around the gun, so he put it in his glove compartment and then forgot to take it out. He made an innocent mistake. Oh, okay. Um, well, it was facing seven years in prison. That's insane. Yeah, well, well this it's is New like Jersey. That, that, well, yeah, like that poor woman who didn't realize the laws weren't. Shanine Allen. Yeah. Right. And there was recently a police captain from out of state who uh, took his firearm into New Jersey um, and left it in his hotel room when he left. Oh, shit. Uh, and he was 
<laughs> and he was facing a uh, prison term as well. He, he was the last one, I think, pardoned by Chris Christie. Uh, he wasn't there, uh, but uh, Stephen Josie Davis was there. Uh, Scott Bach, the head of the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, was there. There was a, a very nice guy from the New Jersey State Police who spoke, who uh, listens to the program, and said a lot of folks with the uh, State Police listen. I, had, I, I really I got a chance to meet. Um, that's one of my favorite things about just going out and, and speaking, uh, just is getting to meet people. And so I got to meet so many cool people. Uh, Angel and his, uh, he called him his Puerto Rican crew, uh, who listened to 40 Acres and a Fool. And uh, I'm blanking on this gentleman's name. I'm so sorry, but he's an attorney in Manhattan, and he lives right across the uh, Hudson. Um, is that the Hudson? Yeah, it's the Hudson, because it's East River on the other side. Yeah, because um, you were saying that he lived on one side of the river, and it took he him like an look, hour right, and a half. He can see, see his, his building office. in New York where he works, and it takes him an hour and a half to get to work every day. Is, and it, is he the one who's been looking for something down in North Carolina? Yes. Okay. Yep. Good it's, luck, right? by the way. Good <laughs> luck. And yeah, you don't need New York money in North Carolina, baby. So it was uh, It was just. It was awesome. Um, and there are so many activists in New Jersey who have not given up the fight and who are bound to determine that one day that state is going to recognize the fact that they have the right to keep and bear arms. Which is a darn shame because New Jersey is one of the 13 original colonies. It is, but it was one of the few original colonies that did not have a state right to keep and bear arms in its uh, in its state constitution. Most oh, of the really? other original colonies did, yeah, but not New Jersey. Ah. And so New Jersey's gun laws have always been written in a way that doesn't recognize your right to keep and bear arms. It's that you get permission to own a gun under certain circumstances. You can have that gun in your home if you get permission. You can well, take that gun to a range I know or to a gun store. I know permission, and that's kind of like, seriously, that's just so... What's the word they used up there? Draconian, mm-hmm. the draconian New Jersey gun laws. Well, and that's the and so I I mentioned the fact that uh, that you lived in Camden for uh, a number of nine years, years, right? And I talked about what it would have taken for you to to become a legal gun owner. Yeah, whereas my neighbors, <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, if you know, for some of that time, you didn't have a car. No, you were relying on public transportation, so you would have had to you know get up, take the kids to the daycare. And then you would have had to skip class or you would have had to skip work and you would have had to take the bus down to City Hall or to the sheriff's office and apply for your uh, firearms ID card. Oh, I, I lived in Section 8. I couldn't have had a firearm in my house at the time. Really? It was, it was, you, it was, that, was, that, was that was one of the laws or one of the rules? That was one of the rules according to my lease. Wow. So you could have challenged that. So I could have been just that was like one Not of those. That, but then you would have had to hire an attorney. Zone victim people, and yeah, I would have had to hire an attorney that I couldn't have afforded. And there were uh, unfortunately individuals living there in that complex that uh, did not care that those were the laws. Yeah, we had one nefarious neighbor who was the the boyfriend of my neighbor, and she decided that she did not want him to be her boyfriend anymore. But he was not taking no for an answer, and he came to the door and mind. This is an apartment complex. My door edge is four inches from her door edge. Mm -hmm. Our doors are side by side. They're probably closer than, I mean, they're walls distance. You know, it's the one skinny wall. Closer than Kim and Kanye. Very much closer than Kim and Kanye because her butt gets in the way. (laughs) Um, These are just two straight lines. Closer than Booker and Bullet. Probably. they're wrestling. Yes. Very close. Very close. So he decides to come back, and I don't know where. I'm pretty sure he could not have purchased his firearm legally because he was uh, pretty poor. I think he might have had jail time. He must have, at some point, probably was a felon, and he just probably couldn't have passed any tests because he was about as stupid as a stone. 
But he decided to come back to the apartment complex, and he just started shooting at our doors. Just started shooting. He just started shooting at the doors. Like, I did not get, thank goodness, a bullet hole. He wasn't that errant of a shot. Right. But then he, you know, he got into her apartment. He broke her dining room table, which was one of those glass top tables. How long did it take for the police to arrive? The police never showed up. So did anybody call 911? Well, yeah, I called 911. I was one of the only people in our area that had a telephone. Ah, and they just, they never arrived. You know that Flav of Flav song? Yeah. Nine one one's a joke in yo town. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was, huh? They didn't show up that night. I guess because I made the mistake of saying it was a domestic disturbance with a handgun. They probably thought it would all sort itself out. <laughs> now, I have to say, the, the another time that I had to call 911 was when my um, <clears throat> one of my junkie neighbors came over and she said her apartment was on fire. Mm-hmm. Now, she's on the second floor... Of, of your an building. end unit. Not my unit, okay. thank goodness. But <laughs> second floor of an end unit. And I was like, oh, let me, right. I will call. Like, So I call 911, and we are literally 50 yards, 100 yards from the fire station. The fire station was the place that we could go and pick up our government cheese and stuff. Okay. Right? This is where the food handouts were. So they, they could have run down with a garden hose and met, met, got there. But they, I called... I explained where exactly where we were. I explained the exact situation, mm-hmm. and I uh, and they were there within five minutes. It was awesome. I met them outside. I showed them where the apartment was. That woman was up in her apartment, sitting on her couch, eating a bowl of cereal, while the other end of her couch was on fire. Wow. Thankfully, they threw her whole couch out of her house. Because gosh knows what else she would have done. Holy moly. But yeah, this is this is where I used to live. I could see one of our <coughs> children actually doing something like that. Sitting but, on the uh, end of the couch with the other couch. <laughs> I, yeah, the lazier Well, one. this end's okay. Oh, right. right. It's just smoking a little bit. But I was like, woman, the people underneath you have two little girls that I know that go to school with my kids. They play right. all the time. How could you be this dumb? Well... But, yeah, we Drugs had... make you do stupid things, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. All right, listen, we're going to take a, a quick time out. When we come back, uh, we've got more from the 40 Acres, maybe even... Uh, you wanted to do We're going to talk about and books and emails. emails and, yeah. Yeah. All right, stick around. We've got more for you right here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Miss E at the uh, very messy kitchen table tonight. Well, it but was, it's preschool. It was, it was school supply sort night. Like everybody mm-hmm. had to figure out what teacher needed what binder and what size and what this. So we had you know, two kids to get kitted out. So it's all it's all good. This is the desk and the aftermath. I think I put most of it away. 
Uh, yeah, I think so. It's it's it's, it's been worse. <laughs> the also, table has definitely been worse. I also need to do better at taking inventory because I had school supplies scattered in three different places in this house because we have homeschool station and supply and resupply station. Mm. And once I put them all together, I think we have like four or five reams of wide and college-ruled paper, <laughs> seven or eight composition notebooks. So, yeah, we're going to be good for a little while. We'll call that little corner Dunder Mifflin. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking books last week. Uh, your most memorable, your least memorable uh, book that you were assigned in high school. Uh, Brian wrote in. He said, uh, "Worst child book that we remember. Book we remember from our childhood." He says, "I was young, maybe nine or ten years old, uh, mostly reading Hardy Boys and similar books, but I read them voraciously." He says, "I still recall with pride the time that I read two Hardy Boy mystery novels in one day during the summer." Nice. nice. When I was uh, a kid, Brian, uh, I found. Um, they weren't my dad's Hardy Boys books because my dad was too old for Hardy Boys. But uh, uh, we had a couple of Hardy Boys books. We had a Nancy Drew Mysteries or two that were like from the 50s or 60s. So it was probably my half-brother and sisters uh, who were much older than me. It was probably their books growing up. I think up. we have them here in addition to some of my old Nancy Drews. But we did have some of my dad's old Bobsy Twin books. So if anybody remembers wow. the Bobsy Twins. Those are those are way... They're even older than I am, and I'm older than oh, you. Oh, yeah. These were so. like, like 1918, 1919, and so... That would have been my grandmom's prior Right? So I grew up... I, I read Bobsy Twin books growing up, uh, and that was crazy. Read about sleigh rides, and like it was... It's so different because there were no cars. There was no radio. Like none of the... None of what the activity the kids did. It was all outside. It was all tactile. It was all hands-on. I, I grew right? up, with, Dick, just the I grew world up with Dick and Jane. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, we were right. lucky when we got older that there was actually Saturday morning cartoons, but then there's now 24-hour cartoon channels. I know. It's crazy. Hey, anyway, Brian says, uh, so I was in the library, and I saw a beautiful book on the shelf. It was leather-bound, and it was embossed with a faded image of a giant sea monster attacking a ship. It captured my young boy imagination immediately, and I started the slog through 20,000 leagues under the sea. Even as an adult, Brian says, I find Jules Verne very dry and long-winded and hard to read. 20,000 leagues may be his magnum opus of minutia. The first chapter is an endless catalog of seagoing vessels and their key measurements. It took me roughly two months to slog through this book, page by page, searching for that sea monster. Not only was it incredibly dull, but I had to carry a full-size dictionary with me to look up at least one new and outdated word on every page. If I remember correctly, Brian says, the giant squid takes up about a page, maybe two, at the very end of the book. And I still haven't forgiven Jules Verne. <laughs> Our youngest son kid, read... Uh, kid, kid 4 kid, liked right. it, but he's the kid who likes facts and stuff. Right. So he yeah. he really like, enjoyed it. But then he has like... we. It's one of those... Um, can I say this? It's one of those Barnes & Noble collection books yeah. that you can get in the thing. So he bought it for the other... Jules Verne stories too, right? It was. Uh, I think we also have an H.G. Wells collection. Yes, he got that one too. Yeah. So yeah, our uh, youngest son likes to uh, to read some of the classics. But uh, I'm kind of with you, Brian. I don't. I don't actually remember reading Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. So if I did it, I probably put it down quickly. But I hold. I totally understand the frustration level. Like I tried to read um, a book by somebody you know who wrote it, and I the one I, when I finally met him at like a holiday party, I'm like. Dude, I had to keep picking up the dictionary to oh, read your book. Jonah Goldberg, Jonah liberal Goldberg, fascism. Liberal fascism. Like, for the first, I'm like, I have to keep running to the dictionary. This is not fun. And I have a really good vocabulary. It was like he was, like, throwing out those 25-cent words just to be 
that way. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he was doing that. Although maybe I don't know because you know Jonah does have a, he sort of had that reputation of being like a funny guy, and I think he wanted to write a smart and serious well, book. Well, liberal he, fascism, by the way, is one of my favorite books of all time. I have to say, however, when I said that to him, because I said it to his face, right? He said, "You're not the first person to say that." So I didn't. I was like, "Oh, good, I'm not the only <laughs> idiot." <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a really. I, it's still one of my favorite books. Um, so Dean wrote in as well. He says, "Greetings to you, Cam and Missy. I hope this email finds you all well." <laughs> I had a bound of uh, pneumonia myself in December and through the holidays, and I still don't feel quite back to normal. So I pray for you to be well and have a quick and complete recovery. Thank you. You too, by the way. Last week, Dean says you were talking about favorite uh, reading lists, favorite books, not so favorite books from high school reading. Dean says I've always loved to read, and I get caught up in the pages. My least favorite book from high school was The Old Man and the Sea. And he says, this is very odd because I like Hemingway now, and I've read this book over and over in the last 30-plus years. Rancocas Valley Regional High School Class of 1984, Mount Holly, New Jersey. Oh, my gosh. We graduated the same year, and I'm <laughs> from a town right near there. That's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, there are two books, he says, that were probably my favorite reads back then, though, and they are To Kill a Mockingbird and Of Mice and Men, which I have also read a few times since. To Kill a Bogomir was one of my favorites. I'm curious, Dean, if you picked up the uh, the sequel, uh, Go Catch a Watchman or Go Tell a Watchman. Or... And I question it, given the circumstances under which it was published. I know you question that. I know. It was actually a sequel, but I actually I never had to read, and I never did read the first one, so I'm, yeah. I'm it, was, it was good. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I liked The Mice and Men, too. But, I had to read uh, that one. I read that. Uh, growing up in Oklahoma, we, we, we read... Uh, Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath, yeah. right, exactly. I've read the Grapes of Wrath somewhere <laughs> in high school or college, yeah. Now, this is really oh, interesting. Jodes. so sad. So, Dean says, as an adult, my all-time favorite book is If I Never Get Back by Daryl Brock. And when I when I read that for the first time, Dean, I went, oh, wow, because I've read this book. And you're right, it's fantastic. Uh, it's historical fiction based on the 1869 Cincinnati Reds, the first professional baseballists. Oh, I've seen that on the shelves. Yep. Okay. Dean says, I can't say how many copies I've loaned out over the years, and I haven't gotten one. One back. It was out of print for a long time, and I bought a proof copy off of eBay years ago that doesn't leave the house. Brock wrote a sequel to this called Two in the Field. Yep, that is yep. nearly as good. <laughs> when the sequel came out, they put the first one back into print, and now I have an actual copy of both books. The first book I was so enthralled with, I felt a sense of loss that it was over when I finished reading it. I, you know, I, I got to tell you, Dean, um, you're you're right about the uh, the book, If I Never Get Back by Daryl Brock, and it's been years since I've read it, and now I want to go back and reread it because... That one, and then when I found out that there was a sequel to it, I was so excited. I was like, oh, yay! You know, like, I can read more of this story because it's it was about just... about baseball? Yeah, it's okay. about... A, but it's about... So, there's a book uh, called Household Gods by Harry Turtle Dove. That's, that's an awesome book. Okay, so very kind of similar in the setup of somebody from right. modern day... Wait, you read goes, a fiction book and loved it? yeah. Okay, I'm just, okay. I said it's been years. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, you don't read fiction. <laughs> Not mostly. Um, okay, so, I'll, I'm so, like, so now you have me engaged. I'm okay, like, I thought so, it was a real book about baseball. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, so it's it's historic fiction, but it's about a guy who lives in modern times, and he gets transported back to, um, I think it's 1869, and he's all of a sudden now a member of the Cincinnati Reds, 
and he has to adapt to being in this new time and playing old school baseball where the rules are entirely different. Oh, so he was a current day baseball player who got transported in time? I don't think he was a, I can't remember honestly if he was like an, he wasn't like a major league player or anything like that. I guess we're going to have to read this again now. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Um, I loved how, and by the way, if you haven't read Household Gods, you should totally check it out if you like this old time travel thing. Yeah, that's a really good one too about a woman who from modern times who goes back to ancient Rome. Yes, Uh, as a shopkeeper and it's crazy and interesting and fascinating. Harry Turtledove is one of my uh, favorite science fiction writers as well. Uh, Dean says, I have other favorites too like Travis McGee, uh, like the Travis McGee series by John D. McDonald. Um, more recent writings, there were a character in a series whose name is Doc Ford and the writer is a former fishing guide in Southwest Florida, Randy Wayne White. He says, I've read all of the 20-something books in the Doc Ford series and Mr. White comes out with a new one about once a year. I highly recommend the series. Doc is a former foreign ops employee for the U.S. government in a department that never officially existed. Ah, oh, nice. All right. I might have to check out uh, the uh, the first one in that series, Dean. Uh, and Dean says, by the way, I'm just beginning Dana Lash's Flyover Nation. I cracked it open last night. I think I'll enjoy it. All of my best to you and yours. He says, best of luck to your kids heading back to school, too. Well, Dean, thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. And uh, thank especially, you for the book recommendations, too. Especially the, actually, I was going to say, thank you for the good luck back to school stuff. <laughs> yeah, right? No kidding. Uh, why don't we take a, a quick time out? When we come back, we've got several more emails to get to. And thank you for uh, all of the emails this week. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. And uh, the Instagram accounts for Miss E. It's, Corny Goat Farm. There you go. And for me, it is uh, at Cam Edwards. All right, we'll be right back here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. Jolly Old London, which maybe you've seen or maybe you dreamed of seeing or maybe you dreamed of giving to your child the gift of seeing, of London, that is. I will repeat, London, that place exists only in history books. Think of it, look for it only in history books, for it is gone with the wind. Jay Severin, weekdays 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Letting sleeping dogs lie at our feet beneath the kitchen table. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards and Missy with you here. Um, Looking ahead here, I'm just trying to think if there's anything huge uh, to come here on the uh, 40 Acres over the next week or so. I don't think so. Still need to move goats at some point, and I think I might enlist... uh, uh, eldest son at home at home <laughs> yeah he's got really long arms and the thing about electronet is freakishly long no i'm just teasing. no no he's just tall <laughs> i just and he's tall for your side of the family so for you it's freakishly for me, tall freakishly long uh, arms, but yes. from for my side of the family he's got good size you long accused arms. me of having t-rex arms last night though just well that's because how you were standing it was really funny and if i could have taken a picture everyone would have agreed oh yeah you got t-rex arms but anyway we digress um, so the thing about what we have is we have uh, Electronet, and it has posts every 12 feet. And so what you have to do is you have to have a big, long range because you have to grab the post, and you have to, like, sort of grab the net in the middle, pick it up, and then Almost move like each post 
and then you're yes, you're accordioning folding it up. So you have to have big hands to grab the post, and yeah. then you kind of have to have like it, this long arm. It helps to have two people. It it's uh, way helps to have two people, and helps to have two people who know what they're doing. Right. And so I can't me. do it because I'm so we'll have sort of know incapacitated, and I'll just be sitting there barking orders at everybody. <laughs> uh, we moved the hogs not that far back when I was still dealing with this because it's a short fence. Yeah, right. And it's, and that's it's so not, much easier. It's, it's so much tall. easier. We're at 30 inches. You're like, we're all done. Right. Moving around and it's all good. So we got to move the goats. We, uh, we're making noise about a, a new chicken coop or, or a different chicken coop and some sort of chicken yard. But Well, you sent me a really cool idea of a chicken coop, and it's like sort of like this small house that's up on stilts that has a fenced-in run underneath the house. Mm -hmm. And so that the chickens go up, which they would want to do anyway, to roost or to go lay their eggs. And I thought, well, hmm, I know a handy guy, and maybe I can help, I can get him to help me figure out how to build a frame so that we can actually just jack up our chicken coop and then build a run underneath it and then put all the little channels that we have out in spokes from it. Yeah, the the problem though with that is that the issues that we have with the coop or with the inside of the coop. But okay, so like, the thing is the is thing. that if we, if we jack it up, then we don't have to bend all the way down to get to the nesting boxes. No. And it's going to be harder to clean out if it's jacked up. Actually, it might not be that bad because we're, we're reaching in and pulling things out. Like it's, gr- I can't get in it now because it's so short. I and know. Awkward. Well, it's gonna now you're gonna have to climb, or someone is gonna have to climb up and in. No, a it's, space but that the is thing is, but but chickens. It's. I'm not saying we're gonna have to put it up like on a second floor. No, I know that. I'm talking but about like be, 18 inches, right? And it actually might be better to just reach in and pull things out. But and if we know. make it sturdy enough, we can step in. I'm still just thinking we need another coop. But yes, well, I'm trying to work with the coop that that we have. We already spent money on. Oh, I and understand. It works that. perfectly fine, even mm, though it's not. It doesn't work. Well, perfectly it fine. didn't work fine. I had to cut an access panel in to get to just nesting boxes. I pulled, pulled fine it at apart. All. But it, you know, it was our I, mistake to buy a coop from someone. What you're looking at, like that was my mistake. To I'm not saying anything <laughs> of the sort. I just raised my eyebrow a little bit. I did not find this person and his coop. And did I show it. you? Did I show you the pictures? Did and you sign off? I before? thought it was. I did too. I did too. That's why I said it was our mistake because uh, we both looked. Thank you we for both agreed. Sharing that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's never been good, and I'm trying to work with something we already own. I just don't think you can make. What's the uh, phrase? I don't think you make a silk, silk purse, silk out, of purse out of a sow's ear. Well, we're going to make a better chicken coop out of this chicken coop. Uh, whether we can make a doghouse out of it, or, or we can just dis- deconstruct it and make it bigger. Like if we actually like, you know how they make houses? They they they. they there's there's this crazy show in in texas when they move houses but sometimes the houses are too big to move so they literally just cut them in half right and i thought well crap we could cut it in half on the long length and add like two feet and it would be a better sized chicken coop i don't know but i i I don't want to we spent i know i don't want to just dismiss it well, no, I don't want to dismiss it. I, I think I, we could I probably be idea, purposive for broilers. I, I sent the idea to my, my 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 friend's husband, who's really handy, with the idea of can we jack it up a little bit, kind of like this, and where can we go with that? And we're, okay. We'll just work with that. I'll get with him to tell him that he needs to reply, no, we cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't think he'll reply to that. <laughs> a couple of uh, <laughs> emails here. Rob in uh, Southern California uh, says... Where it never rains. Uh, right. Says, um, uh, just know that you have friends who care about you and your loved ones. We are with you, Missy. You don't have to entertain us. That's not what this is about. We care about you. Uh, we really do. So, oh, thank you so much. Rob, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Rob has been with me since... Uh, it's the very beginning of NRA News Cam and Company. Yeah, I'm not doing too much entertaining the garden this year. I just, I just, I wrote a blog post today about how summer of 2016 garden sucks. <laughs> uh, I got we May was rain and cold the entire month. We could never find a good day to plant, and then I got sick, and then it was like hard to be outside because it was so humid. We never really got the garden cleared, and then the bits we did get cleared, I got sick, and they got overgrown with weeds. The only thing I've been successfully managing to grow this year are weeds. I did pull a couple of carrots out the other day, but I fed them to the hogs because they were kind of puny. The cucumbers have decided to just stop doing anything, and I have a bunch of beautiful green pepper plants that are not flowering. Yeah. And even though I got like eight to ten peppers, like right Soon after I put, got everything on the ground, I was like, oh, look, I'm getting peppers. It now just it stopped. stopped. Right. And we don't have an absence of pollinators. I thought that was a problem. They're just not flowering. Right. So there's no, there's no and there's no a whole bunch pollinate. of different kinds of pepper plants. So it's not a cross-pollination flower thing. I just, this has just been the year of the suck garden. Yeah. So I'm just sort of embracing the suck. I got plans <laughs> to make it better next year. And but I'm kind of disappointed because tomatoes meant tomato sauce and canned tomatoes for food and peppers meant fermented pepper sauce. Well, maybe so. uh, maybe Stephen can uh, can help us out with some tomatoes because uh, Stephen wrote in. He says I sure hope that Missy's doing much better and that there's a non-invasive way to get that mass removed. That is some really scary stuff. Not that the car catching fire wasn't freaky, but, yeah. we, but we knew where you stood there. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, <laughs> yeah no, right. no harm to people. Uh, but the hurry up, test, and wait can wear a soul down next to nothing. Uh, Stephen says, in the earnest hopes of providing you a moment of distraction, I will tell you of our little slice of heaven here. Literally, our property is shaped like a wedge of pie cut out by a drunk on meth. Uh, most of the two-acre lot is woods or pond, but I have cut terraces into the hillside going down to the water. We have a healthy crop of weed, rocks, and bugs every year. Oh, nice. Stephen okay. says, uh, this year I thought to do Amish-based tomatoes and put them in a the newly cut area along the back of the house. Things were going spectacularly till about three weeks ago. No joke, the plants were getting so tall, I was having trouble containing them. One plant was up over six feet tall before it leaned over on a neighboring cage. The missus was trying to talk me into building a frame to support their continued growth. Really? Seven-plus-foot-tall tomato plants? I need a stepladder to pick tomatoes. Well, then came Wormageddon. Tomato fruit worms. The first time that I've had these oh, fiends. I've never had them. And hornworms. Uh, hornworms we've had. I feed them to the chickens. Steven says, I'd been thinking about cutting the plants back. Well, I didn't need to worry about that because they destroyed large sections of growth. Oh. Uh, they seem to have recovered from the Munchfest without my having to go completely thermonuclear. Now the plants are all a modest four to five feet tall with respectable fruit. I don't use sprays or the like. I take the Vlad approach to bug discouragement. I do not remove the hornworms. I just flick their head so hard the heads pop and they leak green goo. I usually just I, I just throw them to the chickens or throw them to the ground and squash them. But, yeah, when you have indeterminate tomato plants like that that just keep getting taller and taller, you do want to prune back because it's wasting energy on stem and leaf growth. And it should be starting to calm down and try to start throwing fruit. So there's a thought for next year. Yeah. And you do have to 
you have to trim tomato plants. Right. That's there's a couple of specialty tomato books that I have about how to grow them, but yeah, especially the indeterminates, they will just grow like tall crazy. Now that's the only thing that saved us last year because we had blight, and the blight started from the root and mm-hmm. worked its way up. And so thankfully, I didn't trim them, and they just kept growing taller so that as the bottom mm-hmm. died, the top grew, and we kept having tomatoes. But, yeah, I feel your pain, man. Uh, Stephen also said, uh, sorry about the description, Missy, but the boys will dig that gross factor. Um, you've not you've not heard how Missy e dispatches the frogs that have been living near our pool, Stephen. And I would tell you, <laughs> except that that's a, a nightmare story. We'll save that for Halloween. That'll be a good uh, ghost story. Uh, Stephen says, last year I didn't get much out of my blueberries, but I topped the bushes last fall, and this year they put out so much weight, or so much fruit, that the branches have bowed under the weight. I'm jealous. Two bags of so far, two plants have so far produced four quart-sized freezer bags of berries. That is amazing. I am so Again, jealous. Again, we, we had that freeze. Well, we, we had got that nothing. freaky freeze, and we had, like, maybe ten blueberries that the birds ate. Yeah, I tasted, so, I actually picked I, two. I had two or three. <laughs> and that yeah, was it. that was it. The, out of what we got were pounds worth the year before. Oh, yeah. Steven says, uh, we currently don't have any critters here aside from the dogs and the fish in the pond. When I go bass fishing in the spring, I do catch and release, except when I get a really nice one, I then deposit that baby in my pond to catch again later on. (laughs) The missus wants chickens, but to be honest, she'll have to sit in a window with a hunting rifle all day because we have several mated pair of banded hawks, Mm. a.k.a. the chicken hawk, uh, that have nests all around our property. And to be honest with you, Steven, right, those are... uh, uh, birds of prey, so you can't. You need to get like you need to do what we do, like get the the cover netting over. You get a you get a we, we've got the coop, and then we've got like some crazy run that we built. I built out of chicken wire and those uh, T bar fences, and then deer net across the top, mm-hmm. and then we have channels, which are chicken tunnels that I made out of the two by four welded wire fencing that's six foot long. Um, and then they can you can spike them out. But yeah, when you've got birds, of pr- we have the same thing. We have hawks, we have foxes, and we have coyotes. And we're, it's a lucky day and a lazy day on my part when they get out and they don't get eaten. And right. They, but everybody's been on lockdown since we lost Chip. Well, Stephen says that uh, they also have a healthy American bald eagle population. Then there are the chicken snakes, coyotes, wild dogs. Yeah. He says, you get the picture. Yeah. I said, instead, I think I'm going to attempt to sway my wife towards goats, as those I can at least put in the pen with my dogs in a pinch. And I will say, we've never had a goat eaten by uh, anything and we have other some than tiny us. little goats and yes we're the only people who have eaten our goats yeah so Stephen says uh, as I said before I truly hope that every, everything works out and that everyone's health is restored I hope and pray for both of you I know how stressful uh, being between wanting to know and wanting resolution and fearing the worst can be and, and Stephen thank you very much sir I really yeah, appreciate that's that that's nice um, Mike also wrote in he says, uh, Cam, hope everything is going well on the 40 acres. Miss E has been in my prayers this week. Hopefully things are getting squared away here, and I'm glad to hear that nobody was hurt in your car fire. Thank yes. you for that. Uh, he says, things have been kind of crazy here in Pennsylvania. Our garden has a healthy crop of weeds in it. We've gotten behind on that. Our uh, tomato plants are healthy. Still no red ones yet, but I'm looking forward to the time when we can harvest our first Cherokee purple, which August. is a new tomato for us this August year. is like banner tomato month, which yeah. is why this is going to really suck bad for me. He says, our uh, cucumber plants are growing well, too, but I, I haven't been doing well at keeping up with them like I need. The groundhogs have been enjoying them. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says, we do have a good bit of pepper plants growing, so maybe we can get some peppers from Mike. Uh, hey, Mike says, I was able to pick some banana peppers this weekend. Corn's not the greatest this year. It's kind of short. 
Uh, on the beekeeping side of things, though, we've been able to harvest our first gallon or so of honey this past That's week. That's awesome. And we've also done our second hive split this week. Hopefully, oh. Mike says we'll have three hives going into the winter and coming out of winter. Oh, splits are the best thing I've read. Uh, but he says we've discovered hive beetles mm. and varroa mites in our yeah. hives. So we're trying to combat that. And he says if anyone listening has any suggestions, we'd be grateful for the advice. Mike wonders, have you and Missy e gotten your bee problem solved in the uh, chimney of the cabin? Um, no, Mike, but I, I'll be honest with you, I also haven't seen, seen them. too many this year, which is probably why we're having problems with our pepper plants. Maybe we do have a low pollinator issue. Maybe. The only bees that we had, the only bees that we had in superabundance were the carpenter bees that were eating our carport, and even they seem to be gone. Yeah, I saw one of them burrowing the other night, and I uh, was able to dispatch it. But um, I got to get out there with the wood putty and seal up all of the holes. That's we also have that thing. stuff to spray in there first and right. then seal them up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike says, I've been putting in hot hours working on our chicken coop to get that ready to receive the neighbor's chickens. Hopefully he doesn't lose anymore. He's down to six from the 15 that he started with in the spring. Oh, it sounds like, oh, I don't right? even, even want to recite our numbers. They're so I know. sad. Last week he says uh, he had 12. Something got into the coop at night and killed one. And since then, the chickens won't come in at night. And they've yeah. been roosting in the trees. And this past week, five have gone missing. Yeah. That's why I had to build the run. Right. Because we had so many that started to go missing that I had to protect them somehow. Yep. And then there was that one horrible night that I forgot to shut the coop door and something managed to get in from the run, and it killed two chickens in the coop. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, ours kept going back in the coop, but they were always trained to go into the coop at night. But, yeah, I, we've had, I don't even know how many chickens we've had, and now we have seven. Like, we've had in excess of total over 50-something. We've probably had over 50-something chickens, chickens die in the three years that we've been here. Yeah, because we started with 30. We added and added, and, right. they bore, and then we had some born and lived here, and now we have seven. I know. And only one was f- born, born here. here. Like, none of them. Now we have none from the original batch. I know. I know. It's sad. Predator land is bad. Predator land is bad. But this Zootopia is, does not exist in the real world. No, it does not. Uh, Mike says, my wife and I are expecting our first child this November. We will be having a little oh, baby girl. Congratulations. That's awesome. Mike says, uh, I look forward to teaching her the ways of the Lord through his word and also the constitution of this great nation and our history. I'm excited to be able to teach her the fun and responsibility of raising bees and keeping chickens and hopefully goats and hogs later on. Mike says, I keep the podcast coming. I look forward to them each and every week. And Mike, thank you, sir, for that. Don't forget to teach her how to sew and how to cook and how to knit and how to work on a car <laughs> and how to work power tools and any kind of tools. Because just because she's a girl does not mean she can't wear a tool belt. Uh, I second that emotion. Thank you very much. All right, listen, we've got to run here. It is late. We've got to get up early with the uh, kids first in the morning. day of school. Yay, uh, no. yay, yay. Sorry, I'm not going to celebrate too hardly. <laughs> yay, yay. Okay. I'm Thanks good. for uh, joining us here at the kitchen table. I really do appreciate it. Hope that you have a fantastic week. Let us know how things are going in your neck of the woods. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you again, too, for everyone's really kind thoughts and prayers. It's very much appreciated, and it's it makes me all verklempt. So, yeah. All right. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Be safe. Have fun. Live a little. Learn a lot. And we will see you here soon on another edition. By the way, this was the 70th episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. Can you believe that? Good God gravy. No, I don't. I know, right? 70? 70. Oh, my goodness. Yep. How about that? 
gold star for that, baby. Uh, I think so. Right well, in the middle of your forehead. <laughs> and next week, you'll get episode 71. So we uh, hope that you'll tune in. And in the meantime, like I said, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And we'll see you here soon with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.